0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Malt House Games Podcast. My name is Delton and with me today as usual is my lovely wife and yellow player Haley. And I am so excited we get to hear that theme song three times
1: this year because there are three episodes to be released in October in Ween.
0: There are three episodes in October that get our special Halloween spooky twisted intro and outro and uh you are not hearing things incorrectly. That is exactly how I meant it to sound. For a second, I was like, are my speakers off? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. So I have been
1: waiting for that theme for months, for probably the last like three episodes. I've been like, it's almost Spooky Ween time. It's almost time for the spooky for spooky intro. And Dalton has been saying stop. But now he can't say stop because we got a whole month of Spooky Ween spectacular gansas.
0: We do. This is episode number 102 of the Maltouse Games podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful podcasting occasion. Since it is kicking off spoopy ween, as we like to call it, we have to of course have a pumpkin ale here on the show.
1: Now this is the same pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head we had last year, but we went ahead and gave it a pass and got another one because very very rarely whenever I get a like a six pack of seasonal beer, typically I have one six pack of it and I'm good till the next year. But this was one that we kept going back again, back again, back again. And I think we bought our last six pack at the beginning of November last year before it was off the shelves. Probably,
0: but that's because Dogfish Head has such good beer.
1: This is the best pumpkin ale I've ever had. And I hope that this year it compares to last year's because last year's was delicious. Hopefully the only thing different about this year's is the label. Last year it had some spooky crows and little top hats. This year it has a spooky pumpkin who looks like he's alive.
0: Kind of a zombified pumpkin with glasses. This is Dogfish Head's pumpkin ale p-u-n-k-i-n the pumpkin ale it is a brown ale brewed with pumpkin and spices 7% alcohol by volume and it comes in 12 ounce glass bottles so the color is a nice amber like a really really perfect amber color
1: it's almost on the orangey side too which is fitting
0: it is fitting very much so Mm. it smells like a brown ale where it's like a little bit sweeter a little bit more toned down but you get a little bit of that spice smell.
1: So if you like pumpkin spice, this is the beer for you. If you like beer, this is the beer for you. If you like pumpkins, this is the beer for you because...
0: It tastes like freaking pumpkin pie. If pumpkin pie toned the spice back a little mm. bit, right? You get enough true pumpkin flavor in the beer that it's not just overpowering pumpkin, but it's also not overpowering with the spices, which happens sometimes.
1: So I feel like a lot of the commercial pumpkin beers, it's like, here's our beer. But we added a shit ton of pumpkin spice to it. Enjoy. And it really doesn't taste like the beer was made to be pumpkin spice. It feels like it's flavored. This tastes like it was brewed to be a pumpkin spice ale. And it is, that's exactly what it is. It tastes like it's brewed with pumpkin, that the spices were...
0: Controlled. Controlled. I think is a good term.
1: Yes, that's a good way to put it.
0: They, They didn't throw them in super liberally to where it's just flooded but they didn't hold back enough to where you're like, I can't really get any of that. I think they just nail the level.
1: If this pie were on the Great British Bake Off, it would get a handshake from Paul Hollywood.
0: Probably so. It's fantastic. We love this beer. But of course, I don't think I've ever had anything from Dogfish Head that I haven't liked.
1: Oh my God, no. Everything they do is great. If you see Dogfish Head, get it.
0: Yeah, they're, uh, they're just a great brewery, brewery, brewing company, however you want to phrase it. I believe they're out of Delaware. Yes, Milton, Delaware. One day, I want to go tour Dogfish Head. Same. Take me with you. I know. So yes, episode 102, the first episode here for the Spoopy Ween holidays, the October scary movie-a-thons and horror theme board games galore. That's basically what we're all about for this upcoming month. As of the release of this episode, uh, we will have finalized our 100th episode beer glasses that we're going out to patrons.
1: They are currently... In Colorado, en route to Oklahoma.
0: Yes, at the time we're recording this, which is Tuesday night, uh, before the episode releases, Uh, the beer glasses have not arrived. They were supposed to be here Sunday night. They got delayed in Wyoming. Uh, They passed through Colorado early, early this morning. So I'm hoping to get them either tomorrow or Thursday. They told me it'd be here by the end of the month. Uh, We will see if they get here by the end of the month. But I'm very excited for that. Very excited to get those out. Uh, So I guess I should say a thank you to all of our patrons who have either joined up or stuck with us to get that 100th episode special beer glass that uh, it's going to be fairly simple, but I'm very happy to have it because there's only 24 in existence.
1: Yes, we will not be making any more because the 100th episode has passed.
0: Exactly. But if you want to pick up a beer glass that has our logo on it or a t-shirt, something like that, you can head to our Teespring store shop at malthouse. Sorry, shop.malthousegames.com. There's also fanny packs. I don't know the quality of the fanny packs, but there are also fanny packs. In 12 different colors. But yes, a big thank you shout out to our patrons uh, that back us on patreon.com slash Games. Thank you to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all so much for backing in at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. Uh, it's very helpful for us to have people on patreon because we can keep upgrading the podcast which is why Haley has her microphone that was uh, an upgrade last episode but we are fine-tuning tweaking making sure it sounds as good as possible and we have also put a brand new processor in my computer to make sure that editing is a little bit smoother on me and since we're back here recording and editing and everything's done through that that felt like a valid and honestly needed upgrade
1: Thanks to that new processor, Dalton's editing time is cut down by a lot, so now he can start helping me making Sunday morning breakfast.
0: Exactly. It really does help me cut it down because uh, it's amazing how much smoother my editing process is now. And I've only been able to play with it. This episode will be the true test. But yes, with that being said, uh, what have we done in the past, like, two weeks?
1: Oh, man, I had some adventures. How so? So, first of all, we took my four year old niece to the trampoline park, and my sister thought it was a good idea to buy two hours. And we jumped and we jumped and we jumped, and I was like, oh man, I am so tired. What a great time that was. And I said, Riley, that was fun. She goes, yeah, it was. I said, how much time do we have left? She goes, Haley, it's been 22 minutes. Shit. Turns out I am old. I did. I do have to say, I made it to about an hour and 15 minutes of jumping. Uh, My four year old niece was still going, and. Uh, She's not at the age yet where she really has an understanding of time. And so Riley says, we have to go. The place is closing. It wasn't closing. But Lakin goes, okay. So we left after about an hour and a half. Riley and I sat out the last 15, 20 minutes or so just nursing our knees and rubbing our backs. And then the next day we got up and took Lakin Bacon Sage to the Oklahoma State Fair where we're walking around the exhibit hall and a woman who is also selling comic books on the rapture uh, approaches us, tries to sell Lakin a slingshot. She says no, and then tells me I look like I'm old enough for my first crossbow. It uh, turns out she thought I was a teenager when I'm almost 30, but that's fine. So I declined shooting my first crossbow or buying it, just like Lakin declined getting her a slingshot. And then we had a game day with Brian. And then what did we do this week,
0: Dalton? This week on Friday, we got off work. I went and uh, used some of my fun money to pick up a first edition box of the New Tales of Aria set from Flesh and Blood, uh, which I got a great pull of a very valuable card, I'm very excited about that. And then we went and grabbed Rough Tail Brewery, grabbed some beers. We got food at the Beatbox Vegan Chicken Truck that we love so much, or at least I love so much.
1: And they're so nice too. Every time we yeah. go buy food from them, they're just say, "Hey, we're so happy to have you guys back. Thanks for supporting us." So. If you are in the OKC Metro on Fridays or Sundays, totally recommend going by Tails parking lot and snagging you a parking spot to get you some little chicken burgers.
0: They're very good. It's a vegan chicken truck. Very, very good chicken. I haven't had their wings yet, which is the same chicken mixture, but, you know, done up in smaller bites. You can have it tossed in buffalo sauce, whatnot. Uh, I need to do that. We did that. Uh, what else did we do?
1: Then we went to go shop for Spoopy Ween.
0: We did. I got an awesome Killer Clowns from Outer Space mug for work. Uh, It is gigantic, holds way too much coffee. It really should be just a tea-only mug. But it is my coffee mug, and I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space, so here we are.
1: And I got six pumpkins.
0: Yeah, we bought six pumpkins, four orange and two white to decorate the front porch, along with a gnome from Haley's friend, Caitlin. And the house is looking spooky. I think once I clean up more of the limbs on the side of the house... The big sticks that I'm leaving. So, essentially, to make this easier on the listeners, uh, if you cut a tree limb down, imagine you're peeling off all the small stuff to throw away, but keeping the main, I guess you could call it main limb. The branch. The branch. I'm going to take all those, and we should do something in the front yard that's very like Blair Witch Project esque and like put oh. them together and have them just chilling up front. And then we should do some sort of like witch's pentagram thing on the sidewalk.
1: Ooh, we're going to get the cops like, called on us by our gonna Edmund neighbors. It's
0: going to be spooky. It's going to be great. I'm excited for that. We, I am too. We did that.
1: Got to get my bat wreath out.
0: We also got to see Shang-Chi. I don't know if we talked about that on the podcast yet. Oh,
1: we haven't. That was a very enjoyable film.
0: It was very fun. I do not follow Marvel movies and have never been a big fan of Marvel movies. I really liked this one a lot. I think the things it did well, it did really well. There was a few little gripes here and there, but that's just with any movie I watch. I'm going to find something.
1: So... I'm, I'm sure we're going to be called out on the internet for this, but like, was there some sort of like rapture that happened in the Marvel universe? Cause there are signs all all around Shang-Chi. It says anxiety from being zapped or something like that. So
0: at the end of one of the big, ones it's when Thanos is there with the power glove uh-huh. and the stones. At one point he snaps and kills half of the population of earth. Uh-huh. It's that they I ended can't... up coming back. I believe Um, all, but like, you know, spoilers, uh, Iron Man's dead for good. And I think there's a uh-huh. couple other people, but, He was as a sacrifice or something like that. I don't remember because I didn't watch it anyway. He snaps and kills half the earth and then they come back because I think Iron Man takes the glove or something. I have no idea again. Didn't watch it, but so people are stressed out. So it's cool that they have a continuation. Uh, Shang-Chi is part of that Marvel cinematic universe where it's all woven together. So that's why there were so many references and spoilers. Um, Ben Kingsley, the actor that they find in the cave that has the little fuzzy creature dude, he somehow, I don't know how, somehow he ties into some other movies. Don't know. So, yeah.
1: So, I'm just going to tell my niece that that's the story of Revelation right there, what you just said.
0: She just has to go watch it?
1: No, we'll just we'll just narrate it to her. Oh, okay. Just like, tell, just like those little Bible stories you get as a kid, where you yep. just tell the stories. Just tell her that story, as the story of Revelation. Thanos. That's, that sounds good. Thanos yeah. snapped
0: his fingers, and boom, we gone. We gone, yeah. That sounds fine. I'm okay with that. But we saw that movie, enjoyed that movie. Um... I've been watching scary movies again to get back into it. Uh, Have watched several. I'm blanking on all of them.
1: Black Christmas.
0: I watched the first Black, the original Black Christmas from '74, I believe it is, which is phenomenal. We watched Carrie, which not my taste, still entertaining but not really for me. Uh, Roman Polanski movie. We watched Rosemary's Baby, which was great.
1: It feeds. It does such a great job representing the anxieties of being a woman. And so many ethics violations by that doctor. Oh, for sure. But man, it was, ooh, it was like the scariest movie without a lot of scary parts.
0: Yeah. It was just tension building the whole time. That was a very good movie. Uh, I finally watched Ichi the Killer. Uh, if you've never heard of it, don't. Um, if it's something you know about and are curious to watch, you'll probably be all right. Uh, It is not a movie I would recommend unless you already know of its existence and want to watch it already, or are curious as to what it is.
1: I will never watch this movie. No, I saw about thirteen seconds of it. No.
0: Yeah, don't. Uh, read read the review of it on Roger Ebert's website. I don't know the guy's name who reviewed it. Gave it four stars, which is their top score. Read his review if you want to know more. It's very, very strange by director and uh. I believe he does most of the screenplays, Takashi Miike, from Japan. Uh, Anyway, we're going to watch more scary movies, more stuff. It's October coming up. I feel like at this point I'm already rambling. Little
1: adult know, for the rest of the month, we're just going to be watching Nightmare Before Christmas, on repeat.
0: No, thank you. We can watch it once, but not on repeat. With that being said, let's move on to the game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's... It's a game. So the game for this episode, I believe we have mentioned several times in the past. We definitely mentioned it on some really, really early episodes or maybe spooky themed games last year.
1: It was definitely on our spooky themed games episode.
0: Okay, so we have mentioned it, but we've never truly covered it. So we decided we're going to go ahead and cover it today on this episode. Uh, So the game for today is Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds, published by Brouhaha Games. The design is Travis Drake and Tim Eller. Solitaire design is Ian Richard. Art is Victor Koch. Graphic design is Travis Drake, Tim Eller, and Victor Koch. Writing is Calvin Wong. Translation, Daniel Kern and Vincent Becker. Font, Christopher Hansen, and printer is Bong Wee Games. So Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds was a Kickstarter from Brouhaha Games that I backed, it's been years now, I feel like. It's been a long time.
1: I think it was probably three years ago.
0: Probably, so if, met, if not before.
1: We met Travis right after we uh, backed it on Kickstarter.
0: Yes, we met him at Gen Con.
1: Very nice guy. Very bright guy.
0: Yes, I have not talked to him in a while. His hair is much longer than it is now, but I believe they have a new game coming soon. Uh, I'll have to verify that and look, but we'll have to check into that. Uh, but this is from Travis. So Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds is a game for one to three players which is a very odd number of players for a game. However, with the current situation and Peeper, Peepers, Peoples, that's my uh, Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those Peepers? Uh, spooky movie. Four people having different levels of comfort right now with the pandemic and everything like that, a game that holds one to three players is like perfect for at home with a significant other, a friend or two, a small family, I feel like it kind of fits that little niche of, we don't need this to go up to six people. We just want to play two or three and have a good game. This game is designed for that number one to three players.
1: It's also a great purse
0: game. It is a great purse game because it's literally a deck of cards in a box with like three little tokens. So very easy to fit into a pocket, a purse, something like that. You could probably cut down uh, somehow to make it a back pocket game if you wanted to. Anyway, Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds has a very simple premise. There are cards numbered one through eight. One are the little seedlings, which is the basic uh, beginning of a plot, which is like a plot you could plant things on. And then they go up two through eight, all the way till eight, being the biggest pumpkin, the biggest baddest. That once that card is played, the game is over, and the person with the most points wins. The way the game's going to work is you start out with five plots on the board, four of the level one, and one of the level three. There is something called the Compost. Which are cards that act as a essentially a free card from your hand until that stack is gone. And it's only a stack of five cards, I believe, or six. So it's pretty quick to get through.
1: Yeah, because at first you're you're having to stack the cards sequentially. So one, two, three, four. And if you first your first hand is like a full hand of like sevens, fives, and sixes, you're not going to be able to play for a couple of rounds unless you have something like that compost so where you can
0: draw one, two, or three from. Exactly. And you can only take the top card of it but it gives you something to play. So on your turn, you're going to play a card. You're going to move your crow. Each player in a two-player game will have a crow on the board. Otherwise, in a three-player game, I believe you get to just pick a random crow. And you move the crow, and it will block uh, one of those plots from being able to have something planted on it. So as Haley said, you have to play these cards sequentially. If there's a one, the only card that you can place on top of that plot is a two. If there's a two plot, the only thing that can go on top is a three. If there's a three, it has to be a four and so on. So you will play a card. You'll move your crow, which will block a plot from being able to be played on or moved or anything like that. Uh, It does not prevent scoring based on different things, but it prevents being played on. Then you can discard any number of cards, draw up to your hand size, and you will pass to the next player. So the thing we like about the game, or at least I like about the game, is I love the fact that there is a discard. If I have a hand and I don't like it, I can chuck it, draw up to my max of three, and pass my turn after playing, of course. So that way I never feel like, if I have a, a bum hand, um, if there's ever a turn that you can't play, you must discard your whole hand if you can't play from the compost either, if you just can't play at all. You have to discard your hand, draw up, and basically pass your turn. Um, that rarely happens, but I enjoy being able to discard things I don't want to draw something else.
1: My favorite part of the game is that each card has a different ability, aside from the ones. Like, the, the ones and the eights are just straight points. Yeah. But, for example, I think it's number six. Number six gives you, if you play a six pumpkin, it gives you three points, but it also allows you to move anyone's crow. So I can move Delton's crow um, to something I want in a couple of turns because that means on his turn he has to move his crow off of the plot that I want. Yep. So there is a little bit of rules, a little bit of manipulation with those cards, but it's not a lot to keep up with. Like the the rules and the special powers of the cards are not anything crazy. It's like move a crow, score extra points, I score this pumpkin if it's next to sequ- sequential pumpkins, Uh, score all the orange pumpkins in a row, score all the white pumpkins in a row. It's very simple, but there's a little bit of strategy with each of them.
0: Oh, definitely. You have to plan these things out. If I've got the uh, number four pumpkin and I play it on top of a three, the number four pumpkin says for each like continual pumpkin in value, you get a point. So if I play that four on top of a three... And then in a an actual pattern, a path, I should say, if there's a path you can follow where you can go from a one to a two to a three to that single four and to a five, that's five points. So that's a lot of points in this game if you're doing five points. And Haley had several turns of like five points, five points, five points, five points, and just left me in the dust. But... Uh, There are stuff like that, or I believe it's the, uh, I can't, is it Jack B. Little, the two pumpkin? Yes. Is like for continuous orange pumpkin. So if you place it next to another orange pumpkin that happens to be next to another orange pumpkin that's next to another orange pumpkin, that's four points for connecting them. So you can try to plan and block people from ruining your strategy by moving your crow, but like Haley said, depending on what they're playing, they can move your crow or just block you depending on what they're thinking.
1: And really, the strategy only goes turn by turn. You're you're probably not going to plan two or three turns in advance in this game. No. Like, you might have an idea of your next turn. Like, you might be playing and say, okay, well, if I play this here, no, I bet Delton's going to play this here. So you might have an idea of what you're going to play after him. But you're really not forward-thinking too long.
0: I wouldn't think so. At least I don't because not only do I have to play a card and move my crow to block a space, you're going to play on a space and move your crow to block a space. So it it is with basically with four between your turn and your opponent's turn with four plots changing, whether it be a card being played or a crow blocking or unblocking. I guess you could look at that as six plots changing every turn or every two turns. So until your next turn, that's a lot that changes and alters between the turns for you to try to have a really long-term strategy. It really is about, how can I maximize the cards in hand right now or maybe next turn? The only time I've done it more long-term is like move a crow onto, let's say, a six and wait till I can move my crow off the six, hoping you don't have a seven because the seven's the one you get a point for everything surrounding it, even diagonals. So you can get nine points out of that card, which is, or sorry, eight points, which is huge. And that one's one that you can kind of plan for, but at the same time, again, it's very hard to plan in this game
1: necessarily say it's hard to plan, but it's not necessary. I don't think it's necessary to plan more than a turn or two.
0: I, I mean it's it's hard to plan longer turns. Yeah. Because the game state changes so rapidly.
1: It does because you can literally uh there's some cards that allow you to move plots. There are some cards that allow you to replace plots. There are some cards that allow you to zap plots and get all the points for that plot. Like there's there's a lot to do um that allows you to manipulate the board. There's a lot to do that allows you to uh, rescore things. Um, and so there's a, a, a lot that can change between turn to turn, but not really a lot to keep up with, which I like. It's very simple to play.
0: It really is a simple to play game. Uh, it's got enough strategy to keep you entertained. And we have to talk about, talk about the artwork. The artwork yes. is awesome in this game.
1: Belton actually, uh, filmed a bit of it on his TikTok.
0: Yes, we do have a TikTok now where I hit Haley with surprise reviews. I essentially come around the corner I try to make sure she doesn't notice, and I just hand her a game and say, review it. And I make her uh, give us some sort of review. Whatever she wants to say in that moment is what goes on. There is no pre-planning. There is no preparation. I just go grab a game, try to somehow sneak to her and just hand her the game and say, review it. And uh, that's the reviews on our TikTok as well as some other little videos. But I did make one showcasing some of my favorite artwork from Pumpkin Patch. So you should follow us at Games on TikTok and give us some likes and subscribe.
1: You should start doing that random review with beers. Tell me a beer, review it.
0: Uh that would be a lot of beers. We have enough games to do this for a while. <laughs> we got a <no> beer. <laughs> well here's the thing, this is a random aside from the game, but uh we talked about trying to find, you know, video content that's easier to make, less stressful, but can still be entertaining and I think that as much as I dislike like dislike TikTok. There we go. As much as I dislike TikTok as like a platform for myself as a user. Because we're grieving Vine still. Yeah, kind of. Like all Um, millennials. As a creator, you can't argue with the views that TikTok tends to get, as well as the ease and functionality of their app for recording and editing and creating those videos. Honestly, they've nailed it with like, here's how you edit. Here, you can add sound. You can add voiceover. You can add these stickers. Like I feel like they've taken what other apps have done and made the editor really good. So I feel like this is something that we should keep dabbling into and keep moving forward in because it's fun, it's easy. And I think that it's a way to do some content that we want without the time sink and dedication.
1: Plus it's been really fun to make these TikToks.
0: It has. It has also been fun to do these short kind of videos and be like, all right, we nailed it. Check it out. Yeah. Anyway, Pumpkin Patch has been fun. It's a cute card game with adorable and still spooky-themed artwork, it does, at least this version, and I'm assuming the regular version comes with it as well, uh, it does come with not only solitaire rules, but an expansion called Gourd Attack mini-expansion, and it has gourds that can completely wipe out a plot of cards. One of my favorites was the one that, uh, if you play it and it replaces a plot with a white pumpkin on top, you get one point for every white pumpkin card in that stack. The white pumpkin cards, aside from the number one, which is always green, the white pumpkin cards are the odd numbers, three, five, seven. So if you go up and there's, if there's multiple sevens on the board and they're hard to control to keep your opponent from ending the game playing the big number eight, you can just wipe out one of those plots, gain three points in doing so, and have a new seedling plot to start again. So I really enjoy that.
1: And cause your wife to yell at you.
0: Even though you won by like 20 plus points? Yeah. You jerk. But we've really enjoyed Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds. It's such a simple little game. It's easy to pull out and play. Now, the one thing we haven't done with it is we have not tried the solo play. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic.
1: Any special way?
0: Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today is going to be solo gaming. There is a very, very big, like, uh, I guess, new. I don't want to say influence. Um, Basically, there's been a new focus, I feel like, in the board game world in the past, within the past five years, of solo gameability of games. A lot of people like a solitaire or a solo variant or solo version or some kind of rules modification. It is something that if you play almost any Stonemeyer game, there is a solo set of rules. A lot of games, Pumpkin Patch included, has a solo set of rules. And those rules are always made so you can obviously play the game by yourself to still experience the game without others around the table. Now, this is something, and me and Haley have you know, talked about this a little bit, but this is something that I haven't done often. The only time I really break out a game, and generally I don't even play the solo, I just play as if I'm two different players is I do that to learn the game, to get my feet wet, dig into the rules, see what rules questions come up as I play, and make sure I understand before I go then to teach it to other people so we can you know all play together. That's generally how I do solo gaming, but there is a much bigger appeal to solo gaming than just learning the rules better, which is kind of the same appeal as doing like a puzzle.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about solo gaming before. I think we did an episode where we talked about like gaming in the pandemic, like using online games versus solo gaming and all that jazz. We've at least talked about it. And you know, I'm a proponent of solo gaming, but here's the thing: there's there's something that kind of blocks me from playing it. And like I was talking about it, like Dalton said, we kind of talked about it this week before we decided to bring this topic on the podcast. And I think that the block for me is similar to the block that I had. Before the first time I went to a movie by myself, or before the first time I went out to dinner by myself—like not just grabbing food, but like sitting down and eating by myself—and now, like you know, I go, I, I I go on solo trips by myself and all that jazz. But it kind of feels like the same block, you know? The first time, before the first time I went to a movie by myself, like I felt like I needed somebody else there. I needed someone to have this experience with. Like it's not an experience I could have just by myself. It'd be weird. It'd be uncomfortable. Same thing with eating out by myself. People are going to judge me. Oh, what a, what a, like, all those anxious, automatic, negative thoughts you have whenever you try something new for the first time and you feel like someone's going to judge you or you feel like it's not going to be as fun without somebody else there. And, like, looking back, like, now, I, like I said, I, I can go to movies by myself. I love to go out and eat by myself. I love my Dalton, too. But, and I, I love to go on, like, solo trips by myself. So I think with gaming, it's kind of going to be the same thing. I know that there are many of these games that I enjoy, like Stonemeyer games. I love like every freaking Stonemaier game I've ever played. But what keeps me from playing it solo? And I think there's this like mental block that says you have to enjoy this with someone else. And again, it reminds me a lot of that mental block that I had before I ate out by myself. And so with these games, I feel like I know that I would enjoy playing this. I enjoy the solitary things. I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of puzzles. Like I can there there's no point to a puzzle. You're just putting pieces together just to break them apart again. There's no point to it. And with playing a board game by yourself it's entertaining yourself much like a puzzle but there's like an end goal so why can't i play this by myself and i think it is that initial mental block that feeling i need to have someone else to enjoy this with i can't enjoy it with myself
0: and i understand that i mean part of what makes solo gaming difficult for me is the goals that you're trying to achieve right and some games have figured out a way around that a way to make that uh, more interesting as a solo game some games have like an achievement system. You play the solo game and you have these goals. You want to get your score. Try to get your score this high. Try to get your score this low. Uh, you know, During the solo game, try to achieve these 18 different things. Mark them off of the rule book as you achieve them. Or uh, something that's probably a little more prevalent is tr- explore this story, but do it as a solo in some way. So I think one great example of not only a Halloween-based game, but a game that really would work well solo and allow you to experience the story as kind of you know, wibbly-wobbly as the story is would be uh, Arkham Horror LCG. The Arkham Horror LCG we've played together, and I like it two-player a lot. I don't think I would do more than two, but I don't know that I would play it as one, even though there's still a story there, you can still explore it and you could still do it. And I think part of the reason that I personally don't is a those goals if it's story i would rather experience that story with you because i'd be telling you about it anyway <laughs> and i say a or 1 i don't know 2 if it's a <laughs> game that's based off of points then me doing that by myself it's like well i could just i could just fudge that you know what i mean like oh i played that turn wrong i'm going to take that turn back and redo it like it's like a puzzle if, you, if it is like a puzzle, like it you know, sort of is, you can always try a piece and put it back and take it off and put it back. And you don't have that kind of need to figure out your turn and go. And it's the next player's turn. And what you've done is set. You can always kind of backtrack. And to me, that takes away some of the fun of being like, oh, drat, I see where I messed up. Next time I'll do better. Because I feel like I wouldn't hold myself to it in a solo game. But then again, I've done a couple times just to learn a game and i've not done that i've just taken it as oh okay that's why this and then i kind of realized now the game plays this way but then again i hardly ever finish those
1: you just told on yourself it wasn't for public accountability you'd be a cheater you'd be a swindler
0: i would be at least in solo gaming which is again <laughs> why i don't do it Yeah, it's just difficult because it's it's something that generally you want to experience with others but i also do see the appeal right i enjoy puzzles i enjoy figuring out things i enjoy Messing around, I mean, heck, how long have I spent sorting cards and taking apart decks for Flesh and Blood and sorting them here and logging them and cataloging and doing all this stuff? I enjoy that kind of stuff where I'm just doing it by myself, but it's just hard to get into a board game with that.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, I think that I would really enjoy it Um, because I do, like I said, I do a lot of solo stuff. And I I feel like, because I've heard Cass, for example, Cass, she says that she's played Scythe by herself, like she took a day off of work. It was a couple of years ago. She took a day off of work and just played scythe by herself all day. And I feel like I would enjoy that too. And I feel like for me it's just making time to do that. Because I everything that I've tried solo, I've enjoyed. And I love playing these games. And sometimes you can't play. And during the global panorama, it's hard to find other people to play with. And so I think that it's something that I need to try. And I think I should kind of make it my homework is to try a solo game.
0: Well, at least we know the pumpkin patch can do it.
1: Hell yeah, brother. That, that's a
0: simple starter for you. That,
1: that's why I can try. Pumpkin Patch is my homework for Spoopy Ween. I'm gonna play Pumpkin Patch by myself.
0: There you go. And I think something you touched on there uh really hits home for me in terms of solo games, which is it's finding the time, having the time, sitting down and, and carving out the time. Because when I'm by myself, I would watch a movie, right? I've been I've been trying to watch more and more horror movies and really get into all of that, see new ones, old ones, the best ones, the worst ones. Like I've been really enjoying digging in and uh, finally, you know, diving into cinema as I'm going to put it in a fancier term, Uh, but uh, in a lens of the horror genre, I've really enjoyed that. I wouldn't do that if I were playing solo games. Right. And I feel like that's the thing is, is when it comes time for me to sit down and do something, I've got movies, I've got a list of what, 50 plus movies. I'm going to say, 75% of them are horror films that I want to see. And a lot of those horror movies, I know you don't want to watch because they're generally gory or something. So I'll watch those by myself. But then there's also the fact, and I know that this is Alan. Hello, Alan, friend of the podcast. Uh, Alan always says, why would he play a board game by himself when he could just play a video game and it can do all the upkeep for him? And there are websites such as Tabletopia. There's stuff like Tabletop Simulator that you can play solo games where people have programmed the rules in, that way it does take care of the bookkeeping, it does take care of the card shuffling. That takes a lot off of you, but at that point, it's essentially now a video game. It's not so much a board game if it's by yourself, so why not dive into something that's even more advanced or deeper, another type of video game that you wouldn't experience otherwise, where you could still experience this board game in a physical aspect. So it's kind of difficult, because when I have my own free time I don't want to sit down and play a game. I want to watch a movie. I want to play a video game. I'll play my drums. I'll organize my cards. I'll build new decks. I'll go do yard work very rarely, but still, <laughs> it, you know, it's that kind of thing. So I feel like solo gaming is tough, but I do applaud the people that do it because there is a massive audience out there for solo games. So it's just a, it's a weird topic, but it's something that has grown and grown in the board game world. And some people, a board game, I wouldn't say it's success depends on a solo Thing, but I know for Kickstarter, if it has a good solo mode, it definitely helps it.
1: I'm going to join that audience as well.
0: We'll do it. We'll go through our games, find a bunch of them that have solo modes, and we can lead you on your way. And you can let me know how it is because maybe you found one and you're just like, I like this better than playing with people because of blah, 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 blah. And then I'll have to try it.
1: I like this better than playing with people because I win all the time.
0: Cheater. (laughs) 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 I caught you. Speaking of something that, uh, you know, I really don't do by myself, let's have another beer. There's not often that I drink by myself anymore.
1: I was going to say, you know, speaking of three-player, what's our beer, Delton?
0: Oh, there you go. This is the three-way IPA um, from Moonraker. And actually, here's what's funny, Haley. This is a collaboration. Oh. So Moonraker is just one of them. This limited edition seasonal is a collaboration between Moonraker Brewing, Varietal Beer Co., and Fort George. It looks like it's officially from Fort George, which is the brewing company. But the other two are like, uh, you know, they came together and said, let's make a beer. But this is the three-way IPA. at. It's a 16-fluid ounce can at 7.3% alcohol by volume.
1: Beautiful. It's a cool can, too, because there's three different kinds of birds and they're all playing different instruments. There is a penguin who's playing the drums. There is a peacock who's playing the violin or the fiddle, if you're country. And there's also a b- b- bird playing guitar. What kind of bird is that, Del?
0: I don't know what kind of bird it is. And the guitar almost looks like a lap steel, but he's holding it like it's a normal guitar. So I don't know what that is. It's
1: probably a country band.
0: I-, I do love the penguin that's in the air playing the drums, though. That's adorable.
1: Did you know? that prior to the 60s country bands didn't have drums
0: I did yes I have uh, the, the only if they were big band if they were big band country they did but aside from that country really did not have percussion
1: it was it was kind of looked down upon so that's why uh, folks like Johnny Cash had like a, a dollar that they would put uh up at the neck of their guitar to kind of use as like a soft percussive like like literally a dollar bill was folded up in, their, yeah. in the neck of their guitar
0: it's always neat when uh, musicians find ways to do that to like fill in that space whenever the, you know, the man tells you you can't do it. It's kind of funny though that Johnny Cash wouldn't have pushed that boundary sooner by right. having a percussionist. But you know, not all music needs it, but some doesn't hurt. I still make the argument that percussion is the backbeat, the backbone of all music. The backbeat is kind of a funny one.
1: Yeah, uh, it's eh. like I'm the backbone of this family.
0: You're the backbeat. Yeah. You're a big purple beat. Just kidding. All right, this is a cloudy yellow beer.
1: It looks like Sunny Delight.
0: It reminds me of like a North, uh, 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 New England style hazy. Ooh,
1: that is a strong smelling beer.
0: Very strong smell, a little bit of tartness in the smell.
1: Mother of God.
0: Citrus for sure. Wow. Comes in smooth, starts to hit in the middle, and then once you swallow, that's when all the flavor hits.
1: It has an aftertaste of tangerine, though. I feel like a lot of these hazy, you get like a grapefruit or you get yep. an orange. This is tangerine.
0: Yep, it's kind of a calmer. It's not as, not as a. Uh, it's very. How can I put this? It's very strong and it punches you in the tongue, but it does so in a less pungent and less like abrasive way than some heavy IPAs.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not coming in like cutting your tongue. It's just like, hey, I'm here.
0: It's just it lets you know it's there. It's
1: high fiving your tongue.
0: That's actually very good though. It's, uh, it's smoother than I expected it to be. But it does. It has a nice, you know, high amount of hops, a high amount of flavor coming in but it's really good.
1: It's Very soft for an IPA.
0: For sure. Very, very soft in terms of texture. With that beer cracked and with our solo gaming session, even though we did it together, uh, past us, let's move into the question and wrap this episode up. And now, join us for a Malt House Games Podcast special Five Size Question. So the question for today, I didn't write it down because we hadn't decided, but I'm making a decision pumpkins or in today's episode pumpkins are pumpkins more Halloween for you or more harvest or at least which is your preferred use
1: so I'm gonna be honest with you my Halloween starts in fall and probably goes through the first week in November and so I I say pumpkins are more Halloween pumpkins pumpkins I'm pulling
0: a you it's a pumpkin
1: pumpkin I feel like pumpkins are more Halloween Uh, because for me I I when I see a pumpkin I have that implicit memory of October or that um so like the implicit memory is like those those memories that kind of tell you about the world around you it's kind of those memories so there's a difference between implicit and explicit like explicit is like I remember my 21st birthday or I remember how to uh change a battery on a car where explicit is or implicit I'm sorry is more of that feeling of, like, October. Like, you remember what October is? You remember, like, the feeling of safety? We can't really describe it. For me, pumpkins, pumpkins are more of that implicit, spooky feeling. And so I associate them with ho- October, which I think starts, like, August 15th in my books.
0: That makes sense.
1: And so, for me, pumpkins are jack-o'-lanterns. They are black cats. They are pumpkin uh, spooky desserts. They are cute little spooky cookies that are paired with little ghost cookies. And that's what pumpkins are for me.
0: And see, I think I'm actually going to be the other side. As much as I love Halloween and all the spooky things, for me, pumpkins just scream like autumn. They scream, you know, harvest, uh, you know, the end of the the season, the last of, you know, everything. You get your hay and you get your scarecrows and you get all that stuff that comes right before the cold season. Not necessarily Halloween, but just all that. It's a lot of orange. It's a lot of, auburn colors and some reds like i throw pumpkins in with that so hard and given yes that's why they're there right they're the last of the season you pull them so late they grow forever
1: unless the squash bugs get them in the great Uh, squash bug onslaught of 2020
0: exactly but i always throw pumpkins into like more of a harvest mentality uh however they obviously stick around long enough to be used as jack-o'-lanterns and then after that they slowly rot away on your front porch till you decide to scoop them up
1: i feel like you and i have both the same timeline of when pumpkins should be celebrated and used because we have different yeah. labels. Because like exactly. I said, Halloween starts like the second week of August and ends the first week of November for me.
0: I think, and it's not, even, it's not even the Halloween timeline. It's just the use of a pumpkin. I picture pumpkins more as, they're going with white and red checkered tablecloths and a cornucopia and a pumpkin pie. And for Halloween, it's more like, Death you know, spooky carved pumpkin with a candle in it and some candy. and I have that, but I think that the other just uh, pushes further out of my brain. But yeah, there you go. I guess that's gonna wrap this episode up. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 102 of the Malthouse Games podcast. Be sure to like share and subscribe. Give us a review on iTunes or Apple podcasts or iPodcast or uh, Apple iPod Tunes, whatever they're calling it nowadays. <laughs> Give us a review on there, five stars if you will, as long as you like it.
1: First, you say you don't like TikTok, then you can't say iTunes.
0: Well, the thing is, I don't think it's iTunes anymore. They went to like Ow. Apple Music, and then I think they have Apple Podcasts, but I don't know if it's still Apple Podcasts or if that's even a thing. I don't know. We're the, so out of touch. That's because Apple are a bunch of lunatics, in my opinion, but we, we need to hire Gen Z We do need to hire a higher Gen Z or someone who knows what they're doing. Help. Uh, uh, yeah, like, share, and subscribe on all platforms. How's that sound? Uh, do all that kind of good stuff. Follow us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find Haley at S Q U I R R E L Y G E K. Oh, before I forget, make sure to go to kickstarter.com and back Paleo Vet from our friends at Absurdist Productions. We talked about their game on episode 99 where uh, we had a lot of fun playing that game and discussing it and looking at all the pretty pictures of dinosaurs and very excited to back that. So be sure to go and check it out on there. Listen to our episode about it if you would like before, but we highly recommend it, and we think it's going to be a game a lot of people really, really enjoy. So make sure to go do that. Make sure to follow us on our new TikTok. Follow us on YouTube, even though we don't post a whole lot of things on there for quite a while now. You can go to our website, MalthouseGames.com. You can buy shirts from us at shop.malthousegames.com. I feel like we've got so much crap to announce all the time, but that's okay
1: hey, man, it's just all the stuff that we're producing, all the stuff that you're producing, all the stuff that you're making, and it's our passion, and we're happy to share it. And if you like it, that's awesome. If you hate it, that's okay.
0: If you have any questions, concerns, comments, things like that, a topic you want us to cover, a game you think we should look at, a question to answer on the episode, or a beer that we can probably access and drink on the show, send that to contact at malthousegames.com. I think that that's going to wrap up all these bajillion, fulfilling announcements I don't know what I'm doing anymore at this point, and that's okay. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.